You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Well, it's good to be here tonight. I love Fellowship Baptist Church and uh, been a part of my life for the past almost seven years. And uh, Ben White was one of the first people that uh, in Jackson that became a friend of me. Um, outside of our of our church, outside of Loomis Park, I remember going out to lunch with him at Steaks Eatery. He brought me to Steaks Eatery, having that delicious bread that they give out. Woof, man, I want some right now. And uh, I remember asking him some questions about youth. I was brand new. I was a greenhorn and uh, youth ministry. I feel like I just figured it out, and now we're leaving. So, but I remember asking him, man, what's some advice for a brand new youth pastor? And he said, don't treat your ministry like a stepping stone, like we're here and there. And I, I carried that with me uh, up until the Lord began working in our heart last year. And uh, I, I, man, Loomis Park uh, and our youth group and the youth ministry there was part of our life. And we, if God wanted us to stay there forever, we would have. And I appreciate Ben White, appreciate the family. Uh, pastor White, I know, is an incredible friend to our pastor, Brother Rich. And Brother Rich just thinks the world of, of your pastor. And uh, we do love this church. And uh, Brother Ben has helped me over the years just with um, Photoshop things and designed. He, he uh, took our pictures for our prayer card. He actually did the video. You'll recognize where I did the video uh, today, right out in the lobby right there. And I think the principal also has made the video as well as he's walking to his office. But you'll catch that in a bit. Uh, if you don't know who we are, I'm Donald Savini. And uh, we've been the youth pastor, my wife and I, at Loomis Park uh, Baptist Church in Jackson, Michigan, for almost seven years now. And uh, we moved out to Jackson in 2012, January of 2012, uh, with just one boy. He was six months old. Now he's seven years old, sitting on the front row. And we got three more. Uh, two of them are in the nursery right now. Charlie is, is just turned three. Brady's a year and a half. And my wife's sitting in the back with our son, Seth, who turned five in January. And we are church planners to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. We're very excited about it. My wife and I actually grew up in Massachusetts. Uh, that's where we met. We met as children at Mountain View Baptist Church in Holyoke, Massachusetts. And uh, Pastor Eric Tharp started that church in 1986. And we grew up there. And it was really my first taste of, of seeing the ministry and, and having a pastor and those kind of things. And uh, we were saved young. And praise the Lord, my wife and I surrendered our lives to the Lord at a young age as well. Uh, we actually came out to Pontiac, Midwestern Baptist College there in Pontiac as teenagers for their youth conference. And that's where the Lord called me to preach, to be a youth pastor. And I surrendered my life to him there. And uh, we've just, uh, man, just loved our lives together. We grew up, and uh, Pastor Rich Zavonsky was our youth pastor at Mountain View growing up. And uh, after he came out here, we went to Bible college, came back, got married, had a boy, and uh, we're serving in our home church, just working. I was working a job. She was working, doing nursing, and we were just providing for our family, serving in the church, waiting on the hand of God, wondering what he'd have us do. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I believed God wanted me to do, and that would be a youth pastor at the time, and, but I was just waiting on him. And in April of 2011, Pastor Rich called me up, and I was on my lunch break at Turf Care Supply in Hatfield, Massachusetts, and said, hey, why don't you pray about being the youth pastor at our church? And through the hand of the Lord, uh, that December we candidated at Loomis Park and then got the vote and in January moved out to Jackson. And here we are almost seven years later. God has blessed our families, given us uh, wonderful children, given us a great youth group and uh, wonderful years, wonderful memories. And just he's done an awesome work uh, at Loomis Park Baptist Church and we've so, been so glad to be a part of it. Last summer, God began working on my heart and it's talked about it in the video a little bit, but God began working on my heart for the first time ever 
about being a pastor, about pastoring. I have enjoyed youth ministry. I have loved being a youth pastor. I still love being a youth pastor. I thought I could do it, and I was willing to do it the rest of my life if the Lord had me. And uh, it's fun. Really, the buck doesn't stop with you. It stops with the pastor. I said, this is great. Be the second man forever, and it's never really my fault. And uh, no, no, but I, I enjoyed it. And I, I, I enjoyed uh, serving under a man and being that assistant. And I told the Lord, Lord, if you want me to do this forever, I'll do it. I, I really didn't want to pastor. I said, man, I, I love being an assistant. And for the first time ever last summer, uh, God began working my heart about pastoring. And even beyond just pastoring, but planting a church. Church planting was also something that I never really saw myself doing. I never thought I could do it, especially with all the kids we have. I said, man, we couldn't do that. And it's amazing that the one thing in your life that you never thought you'd want to do or have any desire to do, when God... Begin speaking, it becomes your greatest passion. And Psalm, thir- uh, Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And God has planted a desire in my heart to plant a church in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. We go to the Cape. We've been to the Cape several times throughout the years. My wife's family lives out there. They've lived out there for about 10 years, so we go there very often. Uh, when we lived in Massachusetts, we went there very often. But now, living in Michigan, we go once or twice a year out there. And they're uh, born-again Christians. My father-in-law just preached our youth conference uh, a few months ago there at Loomis Park. Good people. And when we told them what God was doing, they were thrilled. They have struggled to find a church for the past 10 years. Uh, they used to travel 45 minutes one way just to attend an independent Baptist church. And the Cape has a tremendous need for Jesus Christ, number one, uh, and the power of the gospel, but I believe through independent fundamental Baptist churches, which there is a tremendous lack of. And we believe with all our hearts this is what God would have us do. We prayed about it, began praying last summer. We didn't tell anybody at all. My wife and I prayed together about what the Lord was doing in our hearts. We didn't want it to be an emotional decision. We didn't want it to be just something that we thought would be fun to do. We needed to know that it was God's will, His perfect will. And after several months of praying and seeking counsel, we went and spoke with Pastor Rich. And although he was a little sad, he was 100% supportive and excited for us. We told our church at the beginning of this year, and uh, through the past uh, six, seven, eight months, we began making preparations to move in August. Our last Sunday at Loomis Park is August 19th, and then the 20th, we'll pull out with the moving truck and start deputation full-time. I appreciate my pastor, Pastor Rich, allowing me to have a few Sunday nights throughout the past six months to uh, do some deputation, really, Sunday nights, Sunday nights that we had off. Uh, I was able to go to some places, and praise the Lord, God's hand has already been on it. Um, The past three weeks, we've had four churches already join us in support in getting us to Cape Cod. Uh, Our entire fall, August through January, is completely booked. We have 50, 60 meetings already booked in different churches all across New England, across the Midwest, and many churches already excited about getting on board with us. We haven't really officially started deputation, but we're already at about 35%, which is very exciting, and I know that it's all the Lord. And uh, if you've never been to Cape Cod, uh, it's a 70-mile stretch of land right there on the eastern side of Massachusetts. And the only way to get there, it's, there's a canal that splits off Massachusetts from Cape Cod and the mainland. The only way to get to Cape Cod is by two bridges, the Bourne Bridge and the Sagamore Bridge. And once you cross those bridges into Cape Cod, really it's like a different part of this. It's almost like a different state entirely. The population year-round on Cape Cod is 220,000 people. And in the summertime, if you know anything about Cape Cod, you know it's a, uh, very big for tourism. People have summer houses there, things like that. The population more than doubles to 500,000 plus people right there on Cape Cod, that small 70-mile stretch of land. Uh, there is a tremendous need for the gospel there. 
Just like anywhere in the world, there are broken and lost people. There are hurting families. There are moms and dads who are struggling to raise their kids. There are people searching for something. And we know what the solution is. We know what the answer is. And we want to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. We'll be sent out of our home church, uh, the same church that Pastor Rich was saved in, the same church that we were raised in. We'll be sent out of Mountain View Baptist Church in Holyoke, Massachusetts, under the leadership of Pastor Chad Correa. And we're very excited about that. And as I mentioned, God has already provided. He provided us with a, a better vehicle for those harsh New England winters. Uh, I have my grand caravan out in the parking lot, and it's been good to us. But I'll tell you, it hasn't done that good in the Michigan winters. So I knew I needed something for the Northeast winters. And God's provided a home for us to live in while we're on deputation. He's provided a vehicle for us, provided meetings for us, and we are so excited to start Coastline Baptist Church there in Cape Cod. I'm hoping, uh, and I'm praying, and I believe God will have us to have a very short deputation. Uh, I enjoy traveling around, meeting new people, and uh, trying to be a blessing to churches and presenting our work. But I'm telling you, church, I don't want to be on deputation. I want to get to Cape Cod. I want to get started. The longer I'm on deputation, the longer Cape Cod goes without the gospel. And we want to get out there as quickly as possible. Uh, the video will talk a lot about our vision for the Cape. We have our table set up back there as well. We usually have saltwater taffy made in Cape Cod, but I set it up before service and they clean me out like that. So I'm sorry about that. Come see me later on uh, in the summer and I'll probably have some at the house. But we do have prayer cards out there, uh, so please take one. It has some information about our family. We also have some CDs for sale. We got to record uh, my wife and I and our music pastor, Pastor Mark Messer. I know he preached the guy's camp out last year and his wife, Miss Lindsay, recorded a quartet CD at Faith Music Missions and that's for sale out there. Helps us with deputation and cost, things like that. Kind of gets us prepared to go. So if you're interested in that, please take advantage of that. And if you have any questions at all, uh, please see us at the table afterwards. We're looking forward to, uh, to, to preaching tonight and showing the video. Is the video all ready to go? Video ready to go? I'm not sure if it is or not, but at this time, if we could show the video, and then we'll preach. My name is Donald Savini, and my family and I are church planners to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. My wife and I were in youth ministry in Jackson, Michigan for about seven years at Loomis Park Baptist Church, and we loved it, it was awesome, and we were back in Massachusetts for a uh, graduation in the summer of 2017. God uh, began working on my heart about planting a church out in the Cape, and I'll never forget, it was the day before we were going to be coming back towards Michigan, and God was just working on my heart. You know, I never had a desire to pastor. I had never had a desire to be on that planet church, but God started working on my heart and through counsel and prayer uh, over the next month or two after that trip, uh, and God solidified it in our, in our hearts, my wife and I both in our hearts, um, that that's what he wanted us to do. The people of the Cape are searching for happiness, just like everybody else, searching for joy, searching for peace, but unfortunately in all the wrong places. They may have a lot of things, they may have a lot of money, they may have big houses, but they don't have a savior. They don't have um, true peace or true joy. Everything's just a cover-up. Um, even the fact that they're so community-driven, they're searching for relationship, uh, trying to cover up broken relationships. Why is it that there's such a major drug crisis in the Cape? Um, heroin epidemic. I could take you back to Columbus Day weekend with the four overdoses, uh, two of which were fatal. Uh, one of them overdosed, was taken to the hospital, and then told the nurses he needed to leave and drove straight home 
and overdosed again and died. Uh, this is this is this is the cake. It's not just Sleepy Town USA that everybody thinks it is. There are hurting people. There are broken families. And the people of the Cape, although they may seem happy and seem like everything's put together, it's just not. And, and they have an incredible spiritual need. The Cape is a spiritual wasteland. There was a chief of police there uh, on the Cape that said, we can't arrest our way out of this. It doesn't matter how many arrests that they make, it's not gonna fix the problem. We know the answer. Uh, we know the solution. And the answer to the needs of the people on the Cape is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My wife and I both grew up in Massachusetts our whole lives. I was born in Massachusetts, as was she, and spent um, the first 20 years of our life there. And we began to realize why God has done the things he's done, why uh, our family moved up to the Cape at that time, why um, we grew up in New England. Um, God was preparing us. Um, we understand the people of New England. We are New Englanders, born and bred. Um, and we recognize the need. God has given us an exciting vision for our future in the Cape. We have a team already in place, uh, ready to evangelize the Cape and the islands. Um, and in doing that, seeing people saved, seeing new converts, We'll have the opportunity to disciple them, help them grow in the Lord. And as we do that, um, being able to plant Coastline Baptist Church. And as we see our church grow, uh, we will have a definite impact on the Cape and on the communities of the Cape. God is going to do a great work. Why would God call us there if he wasn't planning on doing something incredible? I, I have incredible faith that God's going to do uh, an amazing, miraculous work in Cape Cod. We're excited about what God's going to do through Coastline Baptist Church in the future. And we want you to be a part of it. A part of something that God is going to be in complete control of. People are going to get saved. People are going to be changed. Families are going to be put back together. Um, lives are going to be transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can be a part of it in many different ways. Some ways that you can help us, number one, please pray for us. Please pray for the Savini family. My wife and four boys are the most important thing in the world to me. Our second born son, Seth John, was diagnosed in March of 2017 with severe autism. And he has a lot of challenges that he faces that, that uh, our other boys don't. And we could really use your prayers in that. Um, the truth of the matter is, many would look at our family and say, well, how are you gonna, how are you gonna do this? With a, with a child with autism. Not only is God calling us to the Cape, but God gave us sin. And God knows exactly what he's doing. And the truth of the matter is, we love our life with our four boys. Seth has taught us so much. And uh, God, God is gonna use, not just myself and my wife, but God's gonna use our boys in the Cape to reach people, I believe that. In addition to praying, uh, we need financial support to get up to the Cape. We need uh, money to uh, for buildings and for, for housing and for all these different things and raising a family even. And we're excited about uh, meeting people that are willing to personally support us uh, and even churches that are willing to jump on board with us and support Coastline Baptist Church in the ministry that we have in the Cape. When God began working on my heart about going to the Cape and starting a work there, the first verse that came to my mind was from Mark 10. And honestly, it wasn't very encouraging. It was the first when Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle 
and for a rich man into the kingdom of God. When I looked at that passage, I saw the next verse. Thomas said, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus said, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. God is going to do something absolutely incredible in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And we can't wait to get started. Man, well, we're excited. Time is flying by. It's amazing. My wife and I were talking just last night about when we announced to the church that we were moving back. It was actually New Year's Eve, which was a Sunday. It was that last day of 2017. And we said, man, I mean, August is pretty far away. It's going to you know, go by really slow. And here we are in July. And uh, time is just flying by. And uh, please be praying for our youth group. Uh, we have some of our teams with us tonight. We are leaving very early tomorrow morning, about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning tomorrow, for a missions trip to Massachusetts. We'll be leaving in the morning. We've got 16 years with us. We're bringing our four boys as well. And we'll be uh, serving at my home church, helping out there, getting ready for their VBS. We'll be in Cape Cod for a day. We're going to show the teenagers where the Lord's leading us. And uh, then Thursday, we'll be with Brother Ian Brown, who just planted a church in Quincy, Massachusetts. And uh, we're very excited. So please be praying for our youth group as we go. And it's going to be a great week. Jonah, chapter 1. Go to Jonah. I want to be done quickly. Someone told me this is normally a prayer service and there's no preaching and you're throwing a preacher in the mix. I feel like I'm messing things up. And uh, so we want to make sure we're done quickly. And uh, you're probably like me and you're probably hungry. So let's just get done so we can go eat. Jonah chapter 1. The message tonight is entitled, The Man with the Unknown End. The Man with the Unknown End. We don't know what happens to Jonah the end of his life. We're going to kind of go through Jonah quickly and see some of the lessons that we can learn. Jonah is one of the most popular Bible stories. Uh, even a lost world probably knows about Jonah. Uh, Veggie Tales put a, a, the, made the movie Jonah, and that was shown in theaters all over the country, and it's still very popular today. People know the story of Jonah. Now, the biblical account is a little bit different than the Veggie Tales version. So if all you know is the Veggie Tales version, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. It's going to be a little bit different tonight. But Jonah is a popular story. We're going to look at his life. And look at four lessons that we can learn from his life. I want to make sure I'm done quickly tonight. So we'll read some scriptures and go right through them. And uh, just have a good time tonight. Thank you again for being here tonight. And I know your pastor's out of town. And, uh, and, and all the whites are out of town, really. I don't think there's any whites here at all. So uh, smarter than... Oh, there's a couple, yeah. So, uh, but but they're very wise of them to have scheduled me when they're gone. So they, they knew what they were doing. So Jonah chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. We're going to begin reading, see the first lesson that we can know. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah... The son of Amittai saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Immediately in the beginning of this chapter, the beginning of this book, we see the word of God, God speaking to his servant, the preacher Jonah. Clearly tells him exactly what he wants. He says, hey, get up. Go to Nineveh, they're wicked, you need to cry against them, you need to preach and tell them to repent. God gives him a clear command. And look at verse 3. But Jonah rose up. Hey, you know what? He did what God said. He got up, but he didn't go where he was supposed to go. Look at verse 3. He rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. 
He found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down in, into it to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah heard exactly what God said. He knew exactly where God wanted him to go, and instead he goes the opposite direction. And instead of just disobeying God, he actually pays to disobey God. Isn't that incredible? He pays the fare to go in the opposite direction of where God wants him to go. First lesson we see in the life of Jonah is this. Disobedience to God is foolishness. Disobedience to God is foolishness. God knew exactly what was going on. Can you imagine? Here's Jonah. God tells him what to do, and, and Jonah immediately disobeys God. And here's God just watching Jonah uh, go to the, the shipyard and pay for his ticket and get in this boat going to, to Tarshish. And God's just standing there saying, now what are you doing, Jonah? Come on. How foolish can you be, Jonah? You know God. God knows it and sees exactly what you're doing. He watches as Jonah tries to get as far away from him as possible. Look at verse 4. The Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the side of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So here's Jonah, living in disobedience, gets in the ship, pays his fare, gets on the ship, goes out to sea. God, knowing what Jonah's doing, sends this incredible storm, the mighty tempest, the waves are crashing, the thunder and lightning and the rain, and the, the sailors are scared. This is the manners were afraid. They don't know what's going on. They're trying to throw stuff out of the ship. And here's Jonah, the disobedient preacher, in the bottom of the ship, zonked out, sleeping. Verse 6, the shipmaster came to him, said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? I love how they insult him. You sleeper, O sleeper, arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. They said, Everyone to his fellow, come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. They cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Can you imagine the sailors as the lot falls upon Jonah, and they all look at him, and here's Jonah sitting there like, Oh, now they know, and it's his fault. He's, here it is. What he says in verse, verse, uh, verse 8, they say, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? Of what people are thou? They're just playing 20 questions. Verse 9, he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So here we are in the ship. The waves are crashing. Jonah's disobedience has brought this storm upon it and has put all these lives in danger. And we see Jonah here tells him, you know what, it is my fault. You know what, it's amazing as Christians who know God, who try to walk with God, we still blatantly disobey him so often. Maybe some of you are, are in the same spot Jonah is in these first verses. And you, listen, you know exactly what God wants you to do, but you're running from it. You're running from what God wants. Maybe it is. Maybe it's the call of God. Maybe it's God wants you to be a preacher, young man or young lady. Uh, young lady. God wants you in ministry. Maybe it's an adult and it may not be a ministry thing, but you know that God is uh, calling you to do something. He's telling you to do something and you're trying to run from it. Disobedience to God is foolishness. Have we forgotten that God sees all? It says in Proverbs 15, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Listen, he sees our righteousness, but he also sees the things we do that we shouldn't do. God sees it all. Disobedience to God is foolishness. Jonah made a foolish decision. So what can we 
do with number, lesson number one. I, wanna, I don't want to just tell you the lesson and then not give you an application. Disobedience to God is foolishness, so we need to obey without reservation. When God tells you to do something, just do it. Listen, the Bible is full of God's commands of how we need to live our lives. You know what we need to do? Just obey them. Just obey them. Stop questioning what God said and obey without reservation. Look, look, look on in verse 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. I preached a message to the teenagers several years back uh, called, Is It You? with this passage in mind. Jonah is the reason that the storm was there. Jonah is the reason that uh, their lives were in danger. And I asked the teenager of the youth group, I said, Hey, are you the reason that God's not blessing this youth group? Because of your sinful attitude, your sinful heart and listen you can ask yourself the same question that's not the message but it's just a kind of a side thought are you the reason that God is not blessing uh, this church the way he wants to are you the reason that God is not blessing your family because of your sinful heart because of your own wickedness Jonah knew it was his fault verse 13 nevertheless the men rode hard to bring it to the land but they could not it's amazing these men these lost sailors knew that it was Jonah's fault and still they were trying to save his life but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Verse 14, Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. The men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We see the story as it goes, and you know the story already. I don't mind reading the scriptures. We see that they, they try to roll hard. They try to bring it to land. They can't. They say, Lord, please let this man's blood not be in our hands. We're going to toss him overboard. They toss him overboard, and immediately the storm stops. Incredible miracle. God prepares this great fish to swallow Jonah whole, and now Jonah is in the belly of the whale. Jonah is now in the darkest place he's ever been. Look at verse 1, what happens. When Jonah is in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, look what happens, verse 1 of chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And we see through verses 2 all the way uh, through verse 9 that he prays and he thanks God. And he has, says in verse 9 his thanksgiving and he, he talks about how powerful God is. And he, he begins to worship the Lord in the belly of the whale and pray to the Lord and, and ask for help. Here's the second lesson we can learn from the life of Jonah. Despair should cause us to depend upon God. Here's Jonah. In the darkest place he's ever been. Crying into the Lord. Can I tell you this? Jonah is safer in the belly of the whale right with God than on the ship running from God. In Jonah's darkest place, in his most despairing moments, he cries unto God. In his darkest time, he looks to the Lord for strength and guidance, knowing that God is the one that can save him. Here's a question tonight for you folks with this second lesson. Have you allowed, have you allowed your sorrow and your despair to draw you closer to the Lord? Because here's the truth, folks. We all suffer. 
We all have difficulty. From the youngest person to the uh, most senior, senior saints here tonight, listen, we struggle. We face difficulty. We have sorrow. We have despair in our lives. Are you allowing that despair, that sorrow, that difficulty, that trial, are you allowing it to draw you closer to God or are you letting it drive you away? Isn't it terrible to see someone going through a trial get far away from God? I think we've all seen it. We see someone who goes through a, a difficulty, and instead of letting it draw them to the Lord, then they turn on God. And they blame God for what they're going through. When the only one that can truly help them is God. Church, I urge you not to do that. Despair should cause us to depend upon God. If you can turn with me quickly to Psalm 34. We see what the Lord thinks of sorrow and of a broken heart. Psalm 34. Are we allowing our situations that we face to draw nearer to God? Psalm 34. And look at verse 17. Psalm 34, 17 says this. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Hey, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Isn't it amazing? I know the, the verse says in Psalm 37, says, fret not this up because of evildoers. We see people that are living wickedly and it seems like they have so much success and that nothing's wrong. And then we look at our lives sometimes as Christians and say, Lord, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to, to be in your will. I'm trying to do right. And it seems like everything's falling apart. Verse, 30, verse 8, uh, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Situations in our lives. Listen, my wife and I, we're only 28 years old and, and we're still young. We've had some trials here and there. But I'll tell you, there have been times as, a, as an adult, as a dad, as a husband, that I've allowed difficulty to cause me to be selfish, prideful sometimes, try to handle it on my own. never works. But it's those times that I look to the Lord for strength. And I allow difficulty to draw me closer to God. That is when God gets the victory. And that is when God gives me victory in that trial. I mentioned in the video about our son Seth. Five years old this January. He turned five this past January. He's nonverbal autistic. Severe autism. Sensory processing, sensory processing disorder. And he really struggles with that. And it's difficult. Listen, there are difficulties in raising a child with special needs. If, if any of you understand that, you know what I mean. There, there are difficulties in that. But God has taught us so much. We, we have to embrace this trial. We have to embrace this challenge. We have to trust that God knows best and allow ourselves to be taught through this. Listen, I don't want to say that I'm in despair about it. I don't want to say that, go that far. But I will say there have been challenging days. Thinking about deputation coming up, bringing all of our kids on the road to different churches, thinking about a son with autism. One of the biggest things with a child with autism is consistency. Deputation is the opposite of consistency. You're in a different church every single week. You're in a car for hours on end. Hey, my mind, sometimes I allow myself to get fear. Fear is not of God. But if I can allow, listen, sometimes that worry, if I can turn it over and give it to God, cast all my care upon Him. He cares about me. He cares about Seth. He cares about my family. And he'll give victory through it. Despair, despair should cause us to depend upon God. Don't let your problems control you. Let God control you in the midst of your problems. 
Despair should cause us to depend upon God. So let it do its job. Let the trials in your life do their job. The Bible says we can come forth as gold. When we're tried and pure, we can come forth as gold. We learn that from the life of Jonah. In his darkest hour, he turned to the Lord. Look, continue to look on lesson number three. There Jonah is in the belly of the whale. And in chapter, uh, in chapter uh, 2 and verse 9, we see him finishing up his prayer. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will, I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And God, only you can save me from this dark place. In verse 10, the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. God delivered him. Verse 3, or chapter 3 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, so here's Jonah saved. Here's the lesson we learn in, in this chapter, chapter 3. Lesson number 3, divine grace is shown to all. There is nobody on this earth that has not been shown the grace of God. Amen? No one on this earth that has not been shown the grace of God. Divine grace is shown to all. We see it right there in verse number 1, to Jonah. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. And you know what he says? The same thing he said the first time. Verse 2, arise, go to the end of that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Here's Jonah dripping with whale vomit. And God says, hey, Jonah, get up, go to Nineveh, and tell them what I already told you to tell them. He says, preach the preaching that I already bid thee to do. Divine grace was shown to Jonah. A second chance was given to Jonah. And God's grace was shown. And what happened? Verse 3, Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. He was, grace was shown and Jonah obeyed. He obeyed. Should he have obeyed the first time? Yes. God's grace is shown, though, when he didn't. And he tells him a second time, and Jonah gets up and goes. And he goes to Nineveh. Look at verse 3. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh, in verse uh, number 5, they believed God and proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne. He laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh. This is verse 7. Look down at it. By the decree of the king and his noble saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger and that we perish not? Verse 10, God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. The people heard the message from Jonah, and they believed it, and they repented. And divine grace is not only shown to Jonah in this chapter, but it's shown to the wicked city of Nineveh. They repented. They believed God said, you know what, I'm not going to do it. He says, and he did it not. It's amazing. By the way, side note, don't be afraid to tell the lost people in your life about Jesus Christ. You may think, well, they're not going to repent. They're not going to get right. They're not going to do this, not going to do that. And Jonah probably thought that. Obviously, Jonah thought, man, this is not going to work. I don't want to go to Nineveh. But when Jonah preached, man, they listened. Don't be afraid. God uh, can save anybody. 
God can use you. Be willing to be a vessel for the Lord and share the gospel with the people. By the way, we've been shown grace, haven't we? Ephesians 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. We have been shown grace. We have been given second chances and third chances and fourth and on and on and on. God has shown grace to us in our lives. We are not perfect. We are far from perfect. We sin. We disappoint God. We disobey his commands. I know I do, but God shows his everlasting grace to me. And because divine grace is shown to all Let's not waste it. Let's not waste the grace that God has given to us. But with that grace, let us show grace to others and let us be a vessel for the Lord. Divine grace is shown to all. Last lesson we'll be through. I told you I'd be quick tonight. Jonah chapter 4. Man, what an amazing story so far. We see the disobedient preacher flees from God. Storms come. Cast overboard. Swallowed by the fish. Man, he calls out to God from the belly of the whale. Man, the whale spits him out. He goes to the city. He preaches unto them. Man, they repent. God uh, forsakes his wrath and he forgives this city. And here we are in chapter 4. Man, should be the happy ending, shouldn't it? It should be a happy ending. Jonah was shown grace. Nineveh was shown grace. But look what happens in verse 1 of chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. That is a terrible place to be. Here's the last lesson. Displeasure over the mercy of God to others is a sign of prideful priorities. It's a tough lesson. Displeasure over the mercy of God to others is a sign of prideful priorities. By the way, the Ninevites weren't just like Steal from the candy store here. The Ninevites were a very wicked people. They were killing Jews. They were putting their heads on stakes. Man, obviously we understand why Jonah probably didn't want to go. They were wicked, awful, murderous people. And in Jonah's heart, they didn't deserve the mercy of God. Listen, Jonah had every reason to be frustrated... Maybe that God would show mercy, but he had no right. He could think of reason after reason why God shouldn't show them mercy. But God, they've killed your people. But God, they've done this. But God, they've done that. He may have reason after reason that may sound legit in his own mind, but he had no right to be angry over the mercy of God to these people. He was just shown the same mercy. And he gets real petty in these next few verses. Look at verse 2. He prayed unto the Lord. After God, uh, uh, man, saves the city, Nineveh is, Nineveh is saved, Jonah's mad about it, Jonah's whining about it. In verse 2, he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before, he starts trying to excuse the reason he leaves, he left the first time. Therefore I fled before to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the, of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. You just picture like, just like the Shakespearean art, like, oh, because he's being such a baby. He's being so petty. He says, Lord, I knew that if I went and preached, you were going to save and forgive them, and I just want to die now. And Jonah is displeased over God's mercy to the Ninevites. He's displeased over it. He's mad about it. 
You see, he asked, he asked God to take his life. And I love the answer, the question that God asked. It was says in verse 4. Then said the Lord to Jonah, do us thou well to be angry. It's like God saying, Jonah, come on. Come on. Really, Jonah? Do you really have a good reason to be upset right now? And we know the answer to that question is no. He didn't have a good reason to be angry at all. He had no reason to be angry. The answer was no. But we see, again, God's mercy. Look what it says in verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side. He's going to go pout. Sat on the east side of the city. And there made him a booth. And he sat under it in the shadow till he might see what will become the city. And it's amazing. He still wonders if God's going to, maybe God will change his mind and destroy Nineveh. Wouldn't that be great? So he gets his little, set, gets his little lawn chair set up. Probably got a little umbrella there. Or, no, he had no umbrella because God gives him an umbrella. But he's sitting there and he's watching the city. Maybe God's going to destroy it after all. He's probably, yeah, here we go. Verse 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. Here's the mercy. Isn't that amazing? Here's Jonah's bad attitude. And God still gives him mercy for this time. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. God's trying to teach Jonah something here in verse 8. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die. Again with the death here, Jonah. And he says, it is better for me to die than to live because his gourd died. And God said to Jonah, do so well to be angry for the gourd. And here's Jonah gets a little mouthy with the Lord. He says, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Man, that's pretty strong words for the Lord God Almighty. God says, you, you got a reason to be angry? Yeah, I do have a reason to be angry, God, even unto death. Verse 10, then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored. Neither mayest it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and the left hand, all so much cattle? God, God finishes this book. This book is finished with a question. And that's why I said we don't know what happens to Jonah. Jonah gets all mad again, gets all upset again, gets all petty again, says, I have a reason to be angry. My gourd's gone. I have no shade anymore. And he starts complaining and whining. God says, Jonah, really? You're, you're sad about the gourd and pity for the gourd, but you have no pity and you have no, you're mad at me for forgiving Nineveh. And we don't know the end. That's why it's the man with the, we don't know. Maybe God spared his life. Maybe God didn't. Maybe God said, you know what? You want death? Here you go. We don't know what happens to Jonah. But here's the truth. You're still here. I'm still here. Have you ever allowed yourself to be in this situation? To be in this position? Angry that others have been shown grace. None of us would ever want to admit it. But they wronged me. And, and I didn't get justice. Well, they said this about me. And, and no one took care of it. And, and, you know, they took advantage of me. And they, they, they didn't get in trouble like, I, like they should have gotten in trouble. And they got, they got off the hook. And we get mad about mercy in other people's lives. And we get mad at the grace of God in other people's lives. Because so often we get so high and mighty and say, well, you know, they did make their own bed. We see someone away from God. We see someone struggling. And we, we say, well, I guess they deserve that. My, my. I think if we're honest, we've all been in a situation like that once in a while. And can I tell you, it's, it's wickedness. Displeasure over the mercy of God to others is a sign of prideful priorities. All those statements I just made, they wronged me, they took advantage of me. 
they're all, the similarities in those statements are that they all, they're all inward. Me, 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 me. I didn't get justice. I didn't get what I deserved. I didn't do this. I was talked about. I was wrong. I, 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 I. Rejoice over the mercy of God to others. Maybe you have been wronged. Maybe someone did say something about you, lie about you, and spread a rumor about you, and it's, it's hurt your reputation. I don't know. Listen, maybe someone has wronged you. Maybe someone does deserve. You say, man, I really, man, something, this, was, this actually happened. You've got to just rejoice about the mercy of God in other people's lives. You've got to, you've got to get over it. I've got to get over it. Because displeasure over the mercy of God to others is pride. It's pride. So much can be learned from the life of Jonah. I don't know your situation tonight. Maybe you're running from God. You're disobedient to God. And, and, and listen, can I tell you, disobedience to God is foolishness. Don't run from God. Maybe you're going through difficulty right now. And you're in despair, and, and you haven't looked to the Lord yet. Would you do that tonight? Would you Listen, that's something we can learn from Jonah. Jonah, in his darkest hour, looked to God. He, de- he, he depended upon God to save him. By the way, lesson number three, the grace of God. Are you thankful for the grace of God in your life? Are you allowing the grace of God in your life to make you who, who he wants you to be? Are you showing grace to other people? And are you someone tonight that is displeased over the mercy of God in someone else's life? Are you waiting for justice? Or tonight, will you get over that and rejoice in the mercy of God in others and in the mercy of God in your own life? So much we can learn from the life of Jonah. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, no one looking around. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.